you're listening to Bossy Britches with Lisa Scheninger and Julia Dume, and this week we are continuing our Bossy Britches, well, it was supposed to be summer, but it seems like it's going to take a lot longer, <laughs> book club with Harry we'll Potter. Get there eventually. <laughs> oh, today we're going to talk about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which we have both just reread. And uh, Jules, I don't know about you, but I think this is the one, this was the book that got me hooked. I think... Really? Yeah. As I was rereading it this time, I was like, oh, yep, this is... Because I will tell you right up front, no shame in it, I am... Do you remember One Big Happy Weasley Family? Yes. That's me. Yes. That's me. I totally fell in love with the Weasley Family in this book, and that's... Yeah, that's fair. I think that's what kept me coming back, because I just... Oh, yeah. I love them. (laughs) I love them all so much. Yes. Oh, gosh. I love Ginny. Me too. Oh, Oh, she's great. Uh, She's so great. And as I was reading, like, I remember so clearly um, in later books, people were like, oh, what happened to her? Like, where'd that come from? Like, she has all this personality out of nowhere. And I was like, did you not read Chamber of Secrets? It was there. It just wasn't in Harry's view because she was so starstruck. She couldn't say anything. (laughs) But she was always there. Yeah. I, I, I read a great comment a few weeks back um i think that was like you know the thing is if you're relying on the if you're there's a lot that could be happening in these books that harry doesn't know about because let's be real harry is not that observant <laughs> no you know, he is not not at all of course we don't see any of Ginny's personality because uh, Harry pays absolutely no attention to her for a couple of books. Yeah, and he's so embarrassed by her crush on him that, like, yeah. even if he did notice what she was doing, like, he would, like, not tell us about it. Um, I was saying a couple of weeks ago, like, I can never decide who is the more, uh, um, I can never decide who is the more irritating, uh, point of view character. Katniss Everdeen or Harry Potter because they're both <laughs> infuriating. Um, Harry is so unobservant. Like Harry's such a dope. He is such a dope. He cannot draw. He could not. If you gave him two points, he could not draw a straight line between them. If his life depended on it, as it so often does. That is why I love him. <laughs> yeah, I'll be too. honest. I do because it's so realistic. Like when you're a kid, you don't. You literally know what's in front of you, and it doesn't matter what is happening around you unless. And until it actually becomes a problem for you, you know? Um, so I've always really loved that about him. And he's just such a dope. He's just so dumb. Ah, oh, bless him. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's pretty clear that he's uh, he's not going to pay any attention to what Ginny's doing because he's so embarrassed by it. Just the same as he doesn't really pay attention to what Colin Creevy is doing unless Colin Creevy is annoying the shit out of him. Which is a lot of the time yeah. that Colin appears. It's yes. true. You know, that was something we talked about last time, um, how vivid her characters are, like how you get such a great visual of them, not necessarily like down to like their eye color, unless they're hairy. Um, (laughs) His eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad. (laughs) The best song in the whole series. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, But like Colin Creevy, like the instant he appears, you know exactly who this kid is. And it's just, he's such like a presence. Even though he does this, I mean, he does the same thing over and over again, but you just have, like, we've all known that or been that kid, you know? Um, his enthusiasm is so great, and he just uh, seems like such yeah. a sweetheart, and um, so it's, 
the choice to make him one of the victims of the basilisk was, I think, really great because, um, you know, Harry doesn't seem to mind too much <laughs> with the kid. Like, but I, as the reader, did. Like, I was really upset, I think, every time I've read it because he's just such a sweet kid. Um, and so clearly just trying to, like, look out for Harry and, like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just... I find I find Colin sweet and uh I it's interesting that you mentioned that about this book cuz I see what you mean when you mention that it's what really kind of got you hooked um I'm like oh yeah okay I can see that see what you're saying there um but also for me a lot of the you know whenever I reread it it's like my least favorite Really? My reread. Um, I think in many ways it's like, for me, it's like the weakest, probably the weakest book in the series, just because it feels, the pacing, I think, feels a little weird for me. Um, and I think it probably is, I believe, the shortest book in the series. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't know. It feels sort of oddly paced for me. Yeah. Um, but there are like a lot of individual parts of it that I love. Like I love the Weasleys. I love that we get a look at the Weasleys. I think one of my notes on my Kindle is like from when Harry arrives at the burrow and he mentions that, oh, it's like all the weird stuff that's going on around there that nobody blinks an eyelash at. Mm -hmm. And it says that what Harry found most unusual about life at Ron's, however, wasn't the talking mirror or the clanking ghoul. It was the fact that everybody there seemed to like him. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, Harry. I think yeah. my note for that is just, oh, Harry, baby. I, yeah, I totally agree. He's just, like, he is so starved for affection oh. of any kind. And then, like, the fact that um, that Ron and, and Hermione were the ones that found him first. Like, I just, I'm just so happy that they're friends because I that's know. exactly what he needs. He needs somebody to push him and he needs somebody who is just going to be um, just completely supportive no matter what, like Ron is. Um, they're um, all until just, Ron yeah. Gets, um, jealous. But that's... <laughs> Wasn't entirely under his control, but we'll talk about that. Yes. Um, yeah, but I I was aware the pacing is off. It does seem like the end seems really rushed. Like the the attacks come like irregularly, I guess. I don't really know how to say it. Like um, it just seems like there's not a lot of buildup of tension. Yeah. Uh, between the attacks, it's just like, oh, here's a thing that happened while I was off doing something else. Oh, by the way. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. And then, like, um, the Lockhart stuff, while I absolutely love it, because uh, I just I just absolutely adore that skewering of that um, really <laughs> egotistical idiot, you know? Um, but it seems, it feels kind of out of place. Like, it doesn't really work. Uh, yeah. Finding out that... Gilderoy Lockhart was a Slytherin makes total sense because he's so ambitious. But then, it yeah, of, like you only find out that he how ambitious he is um, right at the very end. Um, so there isn't like a, a buildup of tension there. He's just a doofus the whole time. And then all of a sudden he's dangerous. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see I can see that. But when I think about the book, the parts that I remember are the Weasley's house. 
and the characters like Colin Creevy and Justin Finch Fletchley and <laughs> stick up his butt Ernie. What's his last name? <laughs> McMillan. McMillan. Yeah. Like I just remember like the world filled in a little more. And I think what's really interesting um, is she does a really great job. I think of catching you up with just enough information that it doesn't become irritating, you know, especially if you've literally just finished rereading the first book and now yes. you're rereading the second book. It's not pages and pages and pages of, and then this happened and then this happened. It, she does, she does deals with it pretty swiftly, but then it feels really natural the way that the world expands in this book because it's constantly expanding with Harry gone. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Like, that thing you just mentioned, I've never heard of that before. Like, what I the don't know. What that? Yeah, and some of, sometimes he's like, what the hell is that? And sometimes he's just like, I don't give a shit, which is, I think, really, really fun <laughs> sure, okay. for the character. Yeah, like, he's like, I never heard of that before, whatever. Moving on. Um, but yeah, I I think you're right. I don't know if it's the shortest. I th- I always thought that the the first book was the shortest. It might be. I can't remember. Listeners, listeners, you'll have to, you'll have to tell us, solve yes. that question, which is the shortest Harry Potter book. Um, yeah, I, not, you know, like I said, I, I find that I like, there are all these like individual moments that I really like, and there are a lot of individual like moments and hints of things that become super important later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, they lay the groundwork for a lot of later themes in the books. Um, you know, the the issue of Muggleborns being such a controversial thing mm-hmm. in a lot of the wizarding world. Um, the prejudice against them, you know, I think is, is really brought up for the first time. I don't know that it's ever really dealt with in the first book at all, but here it's just kind of front and center. Yeah, I don't think it was in the first book at all because we just learn, like Harry learns, that some witches and wizards are born of witches and wizards and some are born of muggles. And Yeah. It's also the first time that we learn about squibs, which is, what a terrible name. Like, I yeah. can't believe that's the actual name and not like a slur. Yeah. Um, of who are the the non-magical children of witches and wizards which i just i have so many questions about things that never get answered for us like what kind of support system is there for we know that filch works at the at hogwarts and we learn that in this book that filch is non-magical that he has no powers um because he's he's uh bought into this looks like a scam quick spell correspondence course yeah um, which is i think one of the things that really struck me, I'm going to deviate from what I was originally talking about for a second. One of the things that really struck me on this reread of this book is how much cruelty there is in the series that is just glossed over. Yeah. And I kind of talked about it a little bit last time. I wonder, um, you know, what that would look like now if Rowling were writing the books, like if she'd gone through the whole thing and she were revising them as a series altogether. Um, if that ever came to pass, I wonder what she would do with that because um, there's things like Harry. Um, Harry is when he's at the Dursleys. Uh, Petunia like tries to womp him in the head with like a cast iron skillet or something. Like yeah, like he and then this whole thing with um, finding out that Filch is a squib, um, which is that's got to be like one of the most 
horrible things for anybody for Filch to know that somebody that one of the students has found that yeah. out because it completely undermines whatever authority he has. Um, if they know that he there's that he can't like retaliate against them um, magically, um, like it really puts him in a position of vulnerability, which the, that character is not going to take kindly to at all. Yeah. Um, and then it all that also ties into like uh, this is where we learn about the existence of magical creatures who are not human. Um, mm. This is where we first really meet. Uh, we've met, obviously, uh, who runs centaurs. The- yeah, we've met the centaur and we met uh, the goblins that run Gringotts, um, but they aren't really they aren't really characters, you know, like we don't really spend a whole lot of time with them. They're just kind of background and then a convenient um, mode of transportation uh, <laughs> through the forest. Um, but in this one, we meet Dobby and we learn that there's this whole like subclass of creatures like. Yeah, like literally like taxonomically and socially that these are indentured servants that they um they're bound magically to their masters that um, they Dobby has to hurt himself whenever he goes against his master's. Wishes. Yeah. Like it's, there is just ugh, some serious dark stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously creepy. The house self thing. Yeah. And it's so uncritically presented too. Like it's mm-hmm. not until Hermione, um, you know, really starts thinking about these things that we start to see like, t- like, actual in the text like this shit is wrong like this shouldn't be happening yeah harry just kind of goes with it and then he frees dobby because basically because dobby did him a solid like yeah but it never occurs to him yeah it never occurs to him that there's like this power structure that shouldn't exist right Mm. um yeah so i do i wonder and then i mean it's also for kids but i just like presenting it so uncritically for kids i think is um weird and i wonder yeah what that would look like and even then you know we we see like even then i like i think ron has a line about oh yeah when he first finds out about dobby he's like oh oh yeah house elves mom like mom really want wishes we had one of yeah. them but we're just stuck with a ghoul i'm like so even you know the wonderful saintly weasleys mm-hmm. are like oh yeah that's cool no problem yeah just don't really see anything wrong with this structure yeah it's upsetting um yeah i just yeah and i remember when the books came out and everybody there were those protests about how they were like unchristian and shit and it was never about like well there's this slaveholding society underpinning the whole of it it was always like the devil and crap yeah um like uh, guys, there was actual stuff that you could be talking about, and that's one of them. Um, <laughs> but so I don't know about you, but I still have some questions about the plot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because we know that Lucius Malfoy, who we've met for the first time, Luscious Lucius, mm-hmm. um, we know that he gave Ginny the diary. Yeah. And we know that Tom Riddle is in the diary. It's one of the, we find out by the end that he, that that's one of the horcruxes into which Tom Riddle has put his soul, a piece of his soul. But I don't really understand what the point of that was. Yeah. What was he going for? He wanted to disgrace 
the Weasleys. I think, yeah, like, I think the initial plan was that he didn't really realize how the significance of it. And he was just like, oh, they're determined to embarrass me by finding all this dark magic shit that I totally have. So I'm gonna do the same to them. I'm gonna, like, frame him and that'll get him off my back for a while. But what I a roundabout sort of way to do it. Like, but yeah. Like, I'm going to rely on the fact that I'm going to slip this into the cauldron of a little girl who is then going to pour her deepest, darkest secrets into it and give Tom Riddle an opening to put his soul into her and to control and her that, and to get like, her to open up the chamber. Yeah. Like, I mean, how did he expect... Because there was really no indication that Lucius knew mm-hmm. what it was. So, like, yeah. I mean, if anybody looked at it, it would have just been a crappy old book. Like, I think it says, like, property of Tom Riddle, maybe, yeah. at one point. So somebody might have, like, Dumbledore might have put two and two together right. if he saw it. But, well, and like, then... okay, again, though, it's like, okay, <laughs> so she goes to his old school. She could have picked it up anywhere. She has you have no way of proving and why she doesn't know who he is. Right. You know, you have no way of proving that he she got it from her father or something. I'm like, so, that's that's yeah. pretty weak. And Lucius. then that opens up the question of does Lucius know what it does? Like has Lucius been writing in this diary for years? <laughs> like Pouring his heart out to the Dark Lord in these pages, like keeping his dear Tommy his diary. Today, yeah, today that Weasley was mean to me again. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't really understand. And like, cause like, he leans so hard at the end on the other governors, because um, of course Lucius Malfoy is a governor of Hogwarts. Of course, um, he leans so hard on them to have Dumbledore removed, and I'm like, so was that part of it, or was that just like, like did he know that? she was going to be able to open the chamber and that kids were going to be possibly killed. And that it was all, so was it all a plan to get the Weasleys or was it all a plan to get, the, get Dumbledore? Did he know what it was? Was he trying to bring, like do something to bring a part of Voldemort back? Like, yeah, I don't think he knew what it was. Um, Like I, I think it's hint. It's like that said later on, like when we learn about, the full extent of what the Horcruxes are. Mm-hmm. Like, that uh, Voldemort is, like, f- one of the reasons that the Malfoys are now kind of out of Voldemort's good graces is that Lucius had no idea exactly what he had <laughs> there, so he just kind of let it go and let it get destroyed. Yeah. Um, because he had no idea what the significance was. Which is hilarious, because that means that Lucius Malfoy's entire plan was to have a little girl caught with a diary. Yeah. Like, but by who? <laughs> who was going to catch her with it? Exactly. I mean, like, oh. everybody at the school is just going to freak out and figure that she got it, you know... They're never gonna figure that she got it through some nefarious means. Yeah, and she's like, she's literally gonna tell them, "I opened, we bought a used book, and I found this inside." Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lucius Malfoy, not a planner. He is not, not at he's, all. He's lucky. He's pretty in the movies. Jason Isaacs, man. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. I remember yeah. there was a. He lived in. Um, he lived somewhere in the states when one of the books came out. And oh, he, wow. he attended a, uh, a, a a midnight release party. 
for oh, one gosh. of the books. And one of my friends was there and met him and said he was like, <laughs> like he knew he read the books like for fun, like he knew everything. Like he was a oh, huge that's fan. Awesome. Yeah, that is like, so really great. Cute. Oh my gosh, that is delightful, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's so great. I love it. Yeah. Oh um, man, it's, it's... special friend of the show now. Yes. Clearly. He's not just a friend of the show. He's a special friend of the show. Yes. Um, come on anytime. Anytime. I. Any he's talk. so good. Like, that's the most worrying thing about the movies is that they got those really, really attractive and charismatic guys to play the real shits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't watch Ray Fiennes in anything now because I just see Voldemort. Oh, man. You know, when he, he shows up, he's the new M in the Bond movies. And oh, I yeah. Was like, I, nope. As soon as he showed up, I immediately expected him to be evil. Because yeah. <laughs> he's so good as Voldemort. It's hard to like. It's Voldemort. Yeah. No. Get uh, out of there. Yeah. You know, I forgot how little um, Snape did in this book. Like, I felt like Snape yeah. was such a big, dark presence in all of the books um, all the way through the series that it. I kind of forgot completely that he didn't do much in this, except the absolutely hilarious, he starts the... Um, the the tactic to get Lockhart out of the way so that they can actually be effective <laughs> when they yeah. need to get when they need to get the kids out of the castle. They're like, oh, oh, Gilderoy, didn't you say that if you could go after this thing, like you'd totally be able to do everything? And... Yeah, he and McGonagall <laughs> are just like, yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you go do that? Yeah, I love that McGonagall and Snape can team up for things mm -hmm. sometimes um, when there's no Quidditch just... involved. Yeah, they're sort of <laughs> grudging dislike slash respect for each other. I, I really enjoy it. I also something that always I always have questions about and I'll I'll probably explain more about this when we get to book six and we see more of the flashbacks to Tom Riddle's youth is that we never hear anything about McGonagall. Mm -hmm. Um in the flashbacks and they were contemporaries like she and tom were at school at the same That's right. time she and hagrid and tom riddle were all and at moaning school together. Myrtle, yeah yeah and we never hear anything about her in like anyone's flashbacks from like hagrid or from uh from riddle or from myrtle i'm just like that's weird why don't we hear anything at all about her um yeah, so my theory is she was a troublemaker. <laughs> that she was like constantly starting crap and was constantly in trouble and consequently was like never in any of the good circles that Tom Riddle would have been hanging out in. Mm -hmm. Um, even if she weren't a Gryffindor and he weren't a Slytherin. Or well, that she was just too obsessed with Quidditch. You know, that's probably she was she would have been wood back in the day yeah. like she would have been waking them up at the crack of dawn to go out and do their quidditch training yeah <laughs> i think that's it that's why nobody knows she, like she's never in any flashbacks because she was always out on the pitch like yep that's yep. hilarious i love it yep she was always just doing her quidditch thing yeah she's like nope nope i don't know what y'all are doing i'll be out here i got practice everybody has practice everybody go do laps right now <laughs> Um, you know, I do wonder about that because, and it doesn't come up for a couple of books, but Slughorn's, what did he call his club? The Movers the and Slug Shakers? Club. The Slug Club. Um, yeah, that she wasn't a member of that. Like, 
It's yeah. All, it, all, it makes me very, very curious about what Minerva McGonagall was up to at school. Yeah, because I, uh, I love her. She's so fun. <laughs> I saw something the other day, uh, Twitter or Tumblr, I'm not sure, but it was like um, the epilogue to the last book should have just been like 20 years later. Harry Potter spends his days emailing cat videos to McGonagall <laughs> and asking, is this you? That would be amazing. <laughs> is this one you? <laughs> what about this one? What about this one? Do you ever do this? Have you ever done that? Yeah. Oh, man. That would be great. I would read that epilogue so hard. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Ugh. So there's something else I was going to talk about uh, because this book introduces it um, and we don't really, we get more of it in the next book. Um, the introduction of the Whomping Willow. Yes. Which apparently they had not encountered on the grounds of Hogwarts before. And then we know it becomes a very big deal uh, in this, in the third book. Um, yeah. But like, I just really loved that the entire sequence of they're in the car, these two idiots <laughs> These two 12-year-old idiots flying a car the length of Great Britain. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> they never think about landing the car. Yeah. And the car is like, you've been, I've, I've been up here way too long. The car just gives up. Yeah. The car's like, fuck this. And he crashes into the Whomping Willow. <laughs> and then the Whomping Willow's like, fuck you. And then the car is like, all right. Get out. I can't deal with this anymore. Nope, I'm going to go live done. in the woods we, for six months. We are months. done professionally. <laughs> totally fucking done professionally. I love it. Um, and then, Again, it's like totally unexpected because at no point in the entire time that we're in the car with the Weasleys, any of the Weasleys, um, there's no indication that this is like an anthrop anthropomorphic car at yeah, all. Yeah, there's <laughs> so no indication. It starts getting the shit beat out of it. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like, see ya. Like, nope. Nope. We're done. Yeah. I love it. We're done. Which makes me wonder, like, if that was the last straw, like, what else had the twins done to that yeah. car? Because uh, Ron mentions that they that the twins had taken it out a bunch and never got caught. Um, and of course, it's when he does it that he gets caught. Which, again, going back to the Harry is just the dumbest. Like, <laughs> they can't get through the barrier, right? Yeah, they're with Ron's parents, and they decide that they're going to drive themselves. She's going to take the car. Like, there's a line um, where Harry's like, he didn't know how long it would take the Weasleys to come back out. And I'm like, well, fucking wait then and find out. Like, yeah. Really? Well, it's not going to be that long. You're yeah. all panicking because you're about to miss the train. It's going to be, what, five, ten minutes tops? It's not like there's a whole lot to do on the platform. Yeah. Like, they're going to come right back. They're, they're not going to they... have a picnic. Come oh on. Oh, my God. They... They left the car. And there's even a line where they're like, oh, they can, they, they don't even need to flew home. They can, they can apparate. It's fine. And both Ron and Harry are like, all right, whatever. Like, guys, <laughs> come on. Come like, on. Well, just. I think, yeah, like that, it kind of works. And I, I think I mentioned a little, um, last time that, you know, this one, um, in some ways is sort of the most frustrating in this regard where I'm like, why don't you just talk to somebody? Mm -hmm. Just fucking talk to an adult. Tell an adult about this, Harry, for God's sake. There's um, even, the, it's like a half a page where Dumbledore says, 
Is there, is there anything something you want, you want to, to tell, tell me? me? <laughs> Harry sits there for like a half a page and he's like, he's like, yeah, what? here's all the stuff I want to tell you. And then at the end, he's like, nope. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, yeah. And it works um, a lot of the time with Harry, mm-hmm. I think, because, and I, again, I mentioned this last time that, you know, this is a kid who has grown up basically with nobody right. caring for him or taking care of him or interested in solving, helping him solve any of his problems, let alone solving them for him. Um, that, yeah, it makes perfect sense for Harry, certainly, that he would say, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to do this ourselves. And, you know, stealing the car is exactly the kind of idiotic logic that a pair of 12 year olds would come up with yeah i'm like reading it and cringing and going why why would you do that but i'm also like yeah yeah that's probably the kind of stupid decision i would have made as a 12 year old um i'd like to think my parents would have caught me in the parking lot though well that's (laughs) another thing like as we're saying talking about the timing i'm like you know they were probably just walking right back out as they took off i mean you know seriously you must have just missed them yeah there's like this whole scene that we don't even see where they're literally walking out of the station and they see the car wink out and (laughs) molly weeks is like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) i'm running up like and, yeah, Harry and Ron are just so excited about this adventure they're about to have that they don't even notice. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this um, time it's, like, it's. I, th- I thought it was doubly frustrating that he didn't say anything. Because I, I understand why he doesn't yeah. normally. Um, because he doesn't want to get in trouble. He doesn't think anybody's going to believe him. But he's in a situation where it's very clear that Dumbledore believes what he's saying. You know? Yeah. Like, Dumbledore has sent everybody away. He's not going to get in trouble. Dumbledore is like, I I am here. You can trust me. And Harry is on the verge of saying it, but then he doesn't. And it just, I just felt like it wasn't really made clear enough why. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you touched on this, um, that that's sort of one of the reasons this book is sort of the weakest for me, that um, however tenuous Harry's logic Harry's reasoning might be for his his reasons for doing things in other books generally they make sense Mm -hmm. like they're logically consistent with the character yeah um and things happen for a reason this one feels the most like oh that just it just had things just happened then because they did yeah um they just decided to do that because they needed to get over here now so it sort of feels like there's sort of the least connection um between one event and another the least continuity and causation Mm -hmm. um then as the least of all the books i think for me um which i think is sort of why it's for me the weakest of the books Mm -hmm. yeah i can see that uh that makes sense to me there is one thing I think that the the book does really well. I mean, obviously, it's great at setting up what's to come. Because uh, oh, a yeah. lot of threads get started here that get resolved in the later books. Um, Aragog, um, the whole Tom Riddle at Hogwarts thing. Um, and then something else that I think really gets this stage set here. Because the first book was so much about acclimating Harry to the world. 
Um, and this is really sort of opening his eyes to what that world is like. Um, yeah. Where And it's revealed that Harry is, he's not just the hero, but he's actually just a good kid. Um, because he's, yeah. he's frustrated by the attention from Ginny and, and Colin, but he's kind to both of them. Um, yes. He's relatively patient with both of them as patient Even as a 12 Even when he's starting to like, lose patience, he's mm-hmm. really clearly trying. Yeah. And then there's also the, the whole subplot with, uh, it's, it's barely even a subplot, um, with Nearly Headless Nick, um, mm. where it, his eyes are open to the fact that even in death, like, people are still people they're still shitty people they're still (laughs) people who aspire to things um and you know there's the gatekeepers and uh the way that nearly had liz nick in his own 500th death day like that's a pretty big deal it seems like they have a party and everybody comes to it um and the attention and is taken. And then these assholes bust in yeah, and, and they like, totally, take like, over all the attention. What a bunch of dicks. Yeah, they are dicks. Why would a nearly headless Nick want to even be part of the headless party? Yeah, you're better off, Nick. Seriously. You're better. Like, hang out. I would even rather hang out with a bloody baron than those hockey head hockey playing dickheads. Like, Seriously. <laughs> come on, Nick. But it's, again, like, it just is, it doesn't come out so much yet with um, Dobby accepting that impulse to free him, to trick Malfoy into freeing him at the end but just that the innate kindness of harry potter um is really starting to yes. come out here i think yes oh um, i am always one for talking about like the decency of harry yeah like just what a genuinely like good good egg he is yeah good egg that reminds me of what he does in the later <laughs> with the egg oh. um which is another demonstration of it but yeah like i just i i was thinking about it about how, like, the characters in this series are pretty complex. Even the villains um, are throughout pretty complex characters. Um, they're not, with the exception of um, Voldemort, they're not just evil, like, through and through. Like, you can see the uh, the steps that they have taken to become evil. You can see that their motivations, like, Malfoy is probably, is probably just rotten to the core, but he's driven by, like... Um, a need to be powerful, a need to be thought of as better than. Um, he's also driven by, like, his family. Um, he's constantly worried about status, uh, mm. both in the wizarding community and in in whatever they call the Dark Lord circles. Um, <laughs> it's that constant jockeying for power that we see uh, through the little bits that we get to see through uh, what, he, what Harry finds out from Draco. Um, but like when you think about like the core, the trio, they're just genuinely good kids. Like they'd never do anything cruel without it being something that really haunts them, that they really yeah. regret. Um, and they're just, I mean, just, just good kids. Like, and they then really are. The Weasleys are the same way. They're complicated and they're, um, not always great people, but they're good, uh, kind, decent, um, usually fairly thoughtful, <laughs> as thoughtful as you can be. <laughs> With a million children running around. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, and I just really like it. And then I back to the thing again. Harry's just such an unreliable narrator. There's all this stuff happening that we never know about. Like, um, Jenny is upset because she loves cats so much. Like, after Mrs. Yeah. Norris is attacked. It's like, no, honey, that wasn't why she was upset. Like, oh, she loves think cats. That is. must yeah. be it. I'm like, oh, my God. Or Percy is sneaking around with a girlfriend the whole book yeah. and nobody knows. <laughs> it's fantastic. I just love it. I, I really like that we also get that hint sort of 
of the up the like rift in the family that is to come mm-hmm. with Percy. You know, they talk about I think there's a line about like how ambitious Percy is. Yeah. And oh he's got big plans for being he plans to be minister for magic someday mm-hmm. and yeah, just there are you know we've talked about this a little that there are just a lot of hints in this book of things that are going to become really big later in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like, you know, you mentioned uh, that Voldemort is perhaps the one character um, who's just sort of evil, truly evil through oh, and through. I think there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think we both agree there's at least one more. That's true. That's true. But he's one of the few. And um, this book, though, is sort of the first, you know, because in the first book, that's very much Voldemort. Um, He's pretty much just this, he could be, he's almost generic Mm -hmm. in the first book. You know, he's just a malevolent force. Um who killed Harry's parents and now wants to kill Harry. And the second book is where we really get the beginnings of Voldemort's backstory and these hints that he was not always Voldemort, that he has a backstory, he has a history, he was a person at one point. Um, And a person who was in many ways very much like Harry himself. Um, And like Tom, the diary like plays on Harry and uh, plays on Harry's own sense of like commonality. Mm -hmm. You know, the diary talks about, oh, that Tom was determined to find out who opened the chamber because he didn't want to have to go back home during during summer vacation yeah he wanted to be able to stay at hogwarts because he doesn't have a real home to go to like and harry just immediately like that's what seals harry for like trusting riddle basically there's that line where tom says you and i were so much alike um yeah that bothers harry so much that he brings it up with dumbledore um and I just, like, I didn't really think about it before, but that's kind of, that kind of pervades the whole rest of the series, doesn't it? Like, Harry yeah. Harry becomes very aware of of making the right choices um, because he's aware that there is so much similarity, even if it's um, coincidental. Yeah. 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 I just, oh, bless him. Bless yeah. Harry. I just love him so much. He just, ugh, so wonderful. I was disappointed there wasn't enough Neville Longbottom. That's fair. Yeah, there, there is my big, a lot of big Neville critical. in this one. Not enough Neville. There needs to be more Neville always. That's fair. That's fair. Although, I, now I'm just wondering if he was like, because we know he becomes like really good at herbology. Um, yes. Probably because uh, he doesn't have to deal with people, which seems to be his Aww. real uh, weak yeah. point. But I wonder if, uh, like, he was, was he helping with the mandrakes all throughout the books when we didn't see him? Like, he was constantly helping her repot. And... Possibly. That would be nice. 
I can't remember. I I feel like maybe that is actually mentioned in the books in the book, but I may be just sort of imagining that. It's my it's um, my fanon. I'll yes, I'll, that I'll, works for me. I'll consider it to be canon. That's fine. I'll accept that. Okay. Yeah, that's acceptable. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that probably about wraps it up for me. Yeah, I don't think there was much else. Um, I just really really enjoyed reading it it even if it isn't the shortest it probably was the fastest reread that i've done yeah in a while um mostly because the the uh quidditch is at a minimum which yeah uh becomes more of a slog every time i reread (laughs) because i i like sports i like real sports i like i like that quidditch has become a real world sport but the reading about quidditch matches is just I just don't care. <laughs> just can't. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't care. Although I do particularly love that in this one, um, the bludger has been um, reprogrammed basically by Dobby to constantly try and knock Harry yeah. off of his broom. Like Dobby has some real issues. Like yeah. <laughs> Dobby's whole thing is I'm going to get you to do what I want by murdering you. Basically. Yeah. Like, he's, he's kind of vicious. Um, yeah. But Poor my Dobby. favorite part is that Harry sees the snitch and it's, right behind Draco's ear. <laughs> Draco doesn't even notice that it's literally like yeah. like I just imagine the snitch like this fucking guy, are you kidding me? Um and yes. he dive oh. bombs and God. Malfoy freaks out. Like, I love what a little shit Draco Malfoy is. <laughs> He's a fantastic little shit. Just such a little <laughs> The when the, we didn't talk about the polyjuice potion, which oh, becomes a really big thing later. Yes, um, how could we forget that? First God. of all, I love the, like the essence of these gross kids that they're these gross Slytherin kids. They're like their polyjuice potion looks like puke for each other. Yeah, like oh, it's so horrible. Um, but then when they get into the inner sanctum and they're in the Slytherin common room, and Malfoy is like putting on the show for Crab and Goyle. <laughs> Harry and Ron are just standing there like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's yes. great. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, they're such wonderful. good actors. I can't. They are. They're, yeah. They basically just have to play dumb mm-hmm. the whole time. <laughs> they can't even manage it. Like trying to be dumber than they possibly think, than they really think is possible. <laughs> oh, bless them. Bless them. Uh, so oh, I, I haven't seen that. the movie, this movie, in a long time. I just remember that when it came out, I was like, "Oh, good, it's better than the first one," which is not hard to do. Yeah. Um, but um, I did love the Polyjuice um whole sequence when they're like their faces are bulging. <laughs> like, yes. The wrong voices are coming out of the wrong heads. It was it was a trip. Oh gosh, yes. Oh yeah, I I enjoyed that i i couldn't weirdly on my last rewatch of the movies that was the one i couldn't get through like it got yeah. through the first one but i don't know why i couldn't get through the second one because yeah i remember it that way too i remember it being better but for some reason that one i was like nope can't do it can't do it just gonna fast forward through the bit to the bits with uh jason isaacs in them yeah that is an excellent decision. I think mm-hmm. that's really... I think there needs to be a supercut, a Harry Potter supercut, 
for the Malfoy fans and for the Snape fans. Like, you can just watch Alan Rickman yes. swanning about in his big black cape. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, I'd, I'd be down with that. I'd be down for super cuts of, like, most of the characters, honestly. Yeah. I could go for that. I would Any really minor like that. character. I would even watch a Draco Malfoy supercut. Oh, that'd be great. Potter. 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 He just Potter. says that. Felton just does that so He does, well. and he does that, like, Potter. snivelly little, like, I just love it. He's great. Yes. He is a great actor. He is. They're all so delightful. They're so cute. Little babies. Oh, they're great. They're great. I love Daniel Radcliffe. Dan Rad just does <laughs> Harry's, like, gormless expression. He's <laughs> just sort of, what the fuck is going on? Yeah hapless i don't fucking know let's just go with it so well he does it's it's pretty amazing (laughs) (laughs) i just love harry oh i love him so much um yes i think that's it for me too uh i think i think that'll do it excellent so next up is uh prisoner of azkaban yes right um, so that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks, like we originally envisioned it totally not delayed at all, because <laughs> nope, we always meant for there to be this much time and for summer to be over before we were halfway through the series. Always. Yes. Always. Um, so if you have any thoughts about uh, Chamber of Secrets or Prisoner of Azkaban, you can let us know uh, on the website at realbossybritches.com. You can let us know on Twitter and Tumblr at Bridges Podcast. We are on Facebook by, if you type in Bridges Podcast, because we don't know what the name of our Facebook page is. Nope. And you can find us on Twitter individually. I am at OC Fair and Jules is at Jules Has Tweets. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>